tax day is coming. Oh, no. But if you sign up for Robinhood Gold's IRA with a 3% match, you can get up to $195 for the 2023 tax year. Oh, yeah. Sign up at Robinhood.com slash boost by tax day to get the biggest contribution match on the market. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Robinhood Financial LLC, member SIPC. Average to good that, man, he's yeah. just a complete hockey player, but who's he remind you of? Uh, Harry Potter, I would say, probably. <laughs> <laughs> Adam Crowley on ESPN Pittsburgh. <laughs> You have found the Crowley Show live at the Terrace on 5th above Buford's Kitchen right across the street from PPG Paints Arena. It is the show where your mom listens and you should too. 412-919-1316 is the number to call or you can join the cast of dozens. Follow me on Twitter at underscore Adam Crowley. Brian LaMartina sitting next to me. I just touched him awkwardly here at Buford's Kitchen. Shirtless Tom behind the glass in our Fox Bet studios. Make the call. Download the app today. Gambling problem? Call one eight hundred Gambler. And please tell your kids, tell your wife. We're doing radio up in here. If there's one thing I'm known for, it's my flatulence. But if there's another thing that I'm known for, it's I'm gonna pay it off, baby. All right, that's probably not true. But in this instance, I'm paying something off. I told you yesterday that the 2004 Steelers comparison to 2019. Wasn't all that far-fetched. And you know what? It ain't all that far-fetched. I dug down. I found the numbers. And I've got them here for you. When Ben went down, a lot of Steelers fans, they sought comfort, as Mike Tomlin would say. They knew that a young quarterback was coming in. Perhaps he was the future. We now know that Mason Rudolph has been benched. He's not the future. In fact, he's a terrible, horrific racist. At any rate, Steelers fans needed something to make them feel like their team had a chance. So a whole bunch of fans started saying, Well, 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 why can't this be like 2004? Tim Benz, Breakfast with Benz, friend of the show, friend of real life. He'll join us today at 6. He wrote a piece on it. A number of other people poo-pooed this comparison. I, the crown man, I went at it a little differently. I said, you can't compare 2004 to 2019 because we don't know what happened yet in 2019. You need to compare 2003 to 2018 and see how those teams stacked up before you can determine if anything resembling 2004 is realistic. I found that the Steelers' defenses in 2003 and 2018 were comparable. 2003 was not remembered as a great Steelers' defense. They went 6-10, and 10 for Christ's sake. 2018, eh, they blew some late leads. Neither defense was great, but both of the underlying numbers weren't all that bad. I also found people said, oh, well, they're not going to be able to run the ball as well as they did in 2004. Well, based on 2003... You wouldn't have thought the 2004 team would have been able to run the ball. They could not run it in 2003. In 2018, last year, the Steelers, if you look at their numbers, the attempts, the yards, not yards per attempt, but the attempts in yards was equally as pathetic as that 2003 Steelers outfit. That's not to say that I thought this year was going to be a carbon copy of 2004. But I did say that the Steelers could be successful with a similar recipe for success. Well, 
Looks like I was right. The Steelers are now 8-5. and five. They're on the verge of the playoffs. They haven't won every game since the starting quarterback went down. They aren't going to be the number one seed in the AFC. So, of course, it's not a carbon copy of 2004. It's not exactly like Ben Roethlisberger's rookie year. It wasn't ever going to be. But the similarities, oh, buddy, they're there. These Steelers have won seven out of eight games. They're playing outstanding defense. I think they're the best defense in the National Football League. They've hidden the quarterback as much as possible, and they're riding, this is what makes me tingle down below, an improved running game. Side note, I'm 29 years old. I'm a new school kind of guy. But when you talk about running the football, ugh, I get wet. Again, it's not exactly like 2004. But it's not that far-fetched to say that this year is similar either. Here's Ben Roethlisberger's passing average in 2004 in terms of yards per game. 187. If you take out his outlier of 316 yards against the Giants, then he averaged 177 yards per game through the air. I was actually at that game with my dad in the Meadowlands. Nothing about that game felt like the 2004 Steelers. Uh, they didn't necessarily need to win the game. They were still going to get the number one seed. They were still going to get the AFC North Division Championship. So they're slinging the rock around. That was the outlier. Regardless, the Steelers were trying to limit Roethlisberger's exposure to the defense that year. 187 yards per game. Well, in the 12 games that Rudolph or Duck have led the Steelers in passing yards... They've averaged 180 yards through the air. 187 for Ben in 2004, 180 for the backups in 2019. That's not different. It's the same. In games where Duck has been the Steelers' leading passer, they're running the ball 35 times for 136 yards per game. The 2004 Steelers ran the ball 38 times a game for 154 yards per game. So the 2004 team was obviously better at running the football. They had maulers like Alan Fanica up front, who was a tremendous run blocker. They had Bettis. He was fat. They had Staley. They had Willie Parker in the finale against Buffalo. These Steelers have, well, Benny Snell and Kareth White. So that's not the same. But the recipe's the same. The willingness to run the football of late is the same. 38 times per game versus 35 times per game now in 2019, that's not really a difference at all. How about these defenses? Here's where it all crystallizes. Here's where the crowd man's totally right. In 2004, the Steelers' defense was first in points per game, first in yards allowed per game. That was a great defense. But just 11th in turnovers forced. They were fourth against the pass, fifth against the run in yards per attempt. The 2019 version, 6th in points, 5th in yards, 1st in turnovers, 5th against the pass, 5th in yards per carry. So both defenses were 1st in two categories and then equal in just about anything else. If you wanted to be a good defense back in 2005, it was all about total defense, right? It was all about points per game. I think in 2019, if you want to be the best defense in football, it's about sacks. It's about turnovers. It's about mayhem. So this Steelers defense is the best in the league, in my opinion. Just like in 2004, I think that Steelers defense was the best. Hmm. It's not that different. The 2004 team, though, actually recorded just 38 sacks all year long. This team has 48 sacks with three games to go. I'm not saying they're totally the same people. 
but they're not that different. And the way I look at it is this. Both teams are hiding their quarterbacks. The 2004 team ran the ball better. This team plays better defense. In this current stretch, the Steelers are following that exact recipe for success. I think that they've got a shot. Not to do something special like win a Super Bowl, and they're probably not going to the AFC Championship game, but they've got a chance to do something special with this outfit, making the playoffs, and then scaring somebody in the first round. If the Steelers make it, I think teams are going to be afraid to play them. I don't think if you're Houston, you want to play Pittsburgh in round one. I don't think if you are Tennessee, if they happen to win the division, that you want to face the Steelers in round one. Because that defense is brutal. And it's not to say that even Kansas City wouldn't beat Pittsburgh. Of course that they would think they would if Pittsburgh's going to Arrowhead Stadium and Kansas City's really on the up and up right now. But do you think Patrick Mahomes wants to see that Steelers defense to start his playoff run? Hell to the nah. I'm telling you right now that the Steelers are that team that nobody wants to play. I'm not telling you they're winning a playoff game. In fact, I'll laugh at you. I'll yell at you if you call up and you say, well, who do the Steelers want to see in the first round? No, forget about that. Radio. We're doing it this way. Whatever team has to play Pittsburgh in round one, if the Steelers make it, they're going to be like, oh, Devlin Hodges, we got this. Meanwhile, their quarterback, their offensive coordinator, they're going to be in the room looking at the TV, going through the X's and O's, looking at the numbers, and they're going to be pooping down their leg a little bit. Mike Tomlin spoke today, his typical Tuesday press conference, and he said that the offense is coming together because the offense is coming from multiple places. It's something that I talked about yesterday. Mike Tomlin in his post-game presser said, this is another game where we're striking a blow for team. Really weird sentence. Why can't you just say, hey, this was a nice team win? Well, because you're Mike Tomlin, but he's got a damn good point. I heard Mark Madden today say that the Steelers have one way to win, and they've continued to win that way. Well, the recipe is the same. But it doesn't mean that it's getting to the end the same way. The Steelers need to run the football, and they need to play good defense, and they need to keep it away from the opposition, and they need to not turn it over. Okay, fine. That is what they've been doing. But they've been getting contributions from different guys, and that's why I'm finally buying into the fact that this might actually be a decent football team. For so long, I've been saying... Uh, the offense is really bad and the defense is really good, so that makes you at best average, right? Well, I'm starting to come around to them being pretty good because it was James Washington the last three weeks as the Steelers' number one wide receiver as we've seen Juju Smith-Schuster kind of be in no man's land. Is he hurt? Why is he not playing well? Why is he not playing? So James Washington said, ah, F it, I'll step up. 78-yard touchdown. 30-yard touchdown reception, 31-yard catch down the sideline, 44-yard catch down the sideline. James Washington has been really good. But this week against the Cardinals, James Washington was going to have to deal with Patrick Peterson following him all over the field. And he was going to have to deal with the safety over the top. He still played okay, but they took him away from being the Steelers' biggest threat. Who stepped up? Deontay Johnson. Ran the ball. Also had a sick reversal of the field on a screen pass. Had an 85-yard punt return for a touchdown. So when the guy who had been your best player at the wide receiver position wasn't that guy, the next dude, Deontay Johnson, stepped up. 
James Conner hasn't been able to play for Pittsburgh. His best game against Los Angeles. Since then, bad game, bad game. Injured the rest of the time. Now you turn to Benny Snell. Well, Benny Snell, not a great performance. 16 carries, 41 yards. You thought, okay, this is our bell cow back. We need to be able to run the football. We need to run the ball with Benny Snell. He averaged 2.6 yards per carry. But Kareth White, he toted the rock six times for 41 yards, and all of a sudden there was some respectability there for the Steelers' running attack. The Steelers are finding ways to win with guys that you don't think that they should be winning with. So when Madden says, yes, they need to win by running the football and playing great defense, I can agree with that. But the fact that they were able to win without their guy who is now their number one wide receiver with Juju out and with Benny Snell, the guy who is their number one running back, not performing, I think speaks very well of this team moving forward. And it speaks very well of this team ascending at the right time and becoming a good football team. Hell, the defense, it was the same thing. And we've known all season long that the defense has multiple ways of beating you. But did you think that if T.J. Watt didn't have a sack against the Cardinals that they'd beat the Cardinals? Probably not, because you thought that you'd be able to get after Kyler Murray. So if I told you before the game, T.J. Watt's not going to have a sack, you're thinking, well, if T.J. doesn't have one, who else is going to have one? Well, Bud Dupree was outstanding. Cam Hayward had a sack. Mark Barron stepped up and had a sack. All told, on the day the Steelers had five, their best player, their best defensive player, their best pass rusher didn't have a single one of them. Minka Fitzpatrick's the guy who takes the football away, right? He didn't take it away in this game. Instead, Joe Hayden stepped up, and he took the football away. So the Steelers, they still wound up getting where they typically get. They played good defense. They took the football away. They pressured the quarterback. They just got there differently. The Steelers on offense, they got where they usually get, but they got there differently. So you can't tell me that you can't be excited about these Steelers and that they're a good football team right now because they are a good football team. Good enough to go into Kansas City and win a playoff game? Probably not. Probably not fair to have that conversation. They good enough to make the playoffs? Yeah, I'm there now. They are good enough to make the playoffs. The defense is the best in football. In the offense, it's not putrid. It's not great. It's not putrid. And if you can marry a good defense with a not putrid offense, I think you've got a shot, and I know that you've got a good shot to make the playoffs. The Patriots, they're wrapped up in another cheating scandal, and there's something that a lot of the talking heads are saying to try to absolve New England that I think's absolute crap. It's the Crowley Show live from the Terrace on 5th, right across the street from PBG Paints Arena. It's Star Wars night tonight. The Pens and the Canadiens. It's the Crowley Show on ESPN Pittsburgh. Join ESPN and Bud Light at Dino Sports Bar in Greensburg on Thursday, December 12th from 7 till 9 p.m. And Red Paul, you need to get the iHeartRadio app, and you have to search out my prophet, Adam Crowley. Yeah! Adam, I am, Adam, I am healed, my Lord. I am your 13th disciple. The Adam Crowley Show. Crowley Plus. On ESPN Pittsburgh. Patriots are wrapped up in another cheating scandal. What? Yeah, they are. No. Shocking. Yesterday we started to talk about it, and then our power 
building, so I yeah. thought, hmm, there might be something here, a little smoke to the fire. That's like our own personal fire alarm right there. That's what <laughs> they did. They've been known to mess with building electronics. They, at one point, I think it was the first game in a season a couple of years ago, infiltrated our Steelers' pregame broadcast on DVE, and they started piping their own broadcast yep. into Dale Lawley's ears. They did. So weird stuff happens with the Patriots all the time, and weird stuff happens with the Patriots in relation to us all the time. But I wasn't going to give it much credence yesterday. I thought, ah, this is all happenstance. It looks bad because they've cheated before, but it's not actually a big deal. But in the Patriots' own statement released last night, they admitted to inappropriately filming the field. They said that the crew that was there in Cleveland was there to shoot a video for a documentary series. They say that this behind-the-scenes feature had nothing to do with their football operations. I say, doth now protest too much. The fact that it's the Patriots does make it all seem that more shady, obviously. Now, there are a lot of people, a whole bunch of people saying, you really think they'd do this for Cincinnati? I think this is a logical fallacy here. I think this is ridiculous. Stan said it on his show. You really think they'd do that for Cincinnati? Scott Van Pelt on his show. You really think they'd do this for Cincinnati? Yes, of course they would do that. The Patriots, for real, guys, are going to spend hours upon hours upon hours spending time preparing for the Cincinnati Bengals this week. The Bengals have won one game, but they prepare for every game like it's the only one that matters. All of the teams and coaches do, but the Patriots, they do it more than anybody else. Uh, we're on to Cincinnati. We're on to Cincinnati. Freaking stupid-ass Tom Brady yesterday tweeted out a little thing saying we're on to Cincinnati before all this came out. The logic is deeply flawed there. If they're going to prepare for the Ravens, or pardon me, the Bengals, like they prepared for the Ravens, like they prepared for the Chiefs, like they prepared for the Texans, why wouldn't they attempt to gain any advantage that they could? They're not desperate. That's what I heard Scott Van Pelt say. Well, they're they're not desperate. They're not that desperate. They're not desperate. They're not terrified of the one-win Bills either, or Bengals either. But they want to win every game that they play. It's not far-fetched. Now, if the league has the tape, which they do, there would be proof. But what does that really matter? Steelers fans always jump at the chance to try to tear down New England. I think they cheated with Spygate and Deflategate, and that sucks. But you can't take away what they've accomplished. Six Super Bowls. Bill and Brady are going to the hall. They've tied the Steelers. There's nothing you can do about it. It just sounds like pathetic sour grapes. Do I think that they did it this time? Do I think it's Spygate 2.0? Well, they didn't tell the league. They didn't tell the Bengals they were going to be doing that. They filmed the field. It's absolutely possible. But here's the question. Are they now disqualified? Like, can they not win the Super Bowl? What's the legit repercussions? There are none. So who cares? I said this today on Twitter, and I don't think a lot of people are talking about this. This is the take for me. Oh, the Patriots, they are bad guys. They are cheating. They're awful people. My God, 2001, 2004, they screwed the Steelers, these bad cheaters. To me... If you're a parent and your kid does something once and they get away with it, okay, 
That sucks. They got away with it. Lay down the law. Make sure they don't do it again. Or if they do do it again, know that there's going to be big-time repercussions. Well, the league, the first time that we found out the Patriots were cheating, Spygate back in 2001, they burned the tapes, and then the penalty was nothing. Nothing. It was pennies, man. It was crap. Then, preponderance of evidence, deflategate, which was kind of flimsy, but I believe it. Draft pick. Fines. How come when Sean Payton hits a dude in the head and tells people to hit dudes in the head, he gets suspended for a year? But when you cheat to the point where you win a championship, draft pick taken. Sean Payton's got his defensive coordinator. Yeah, kill that guy. And let me get, you know what I'll tell you? I'll give you 500 bucks, $5,000. You kill that guy, 5000 bucks. Bounty gate. You, you're gone. Well, it's because the league says, oh, player safety. Well, how about the integrity of the league? How about the Lombardi Trophy meaning something? Sure, the Patriots are bad here, but the Patriots are bad here because they're saying, okay, what are you going to do? They keep, they keep freaking stealing cookies from the cookie jar, right? Or they sneak out and the parents say, oh, don't sneak out again or you're in big trouble. They sneak out the next time. Okay, what are you going to do? Well, your privileges are gone for a week. Oh, really? That's it? What are you going to do? It's one thing if you say you're grounded. It's another thing if you take the car away. You take my car and I'm in high school, oh, shiz. I ain't getting ass no more. I ain't going anywhere. I can't go bowling like Le'Veon Bell late at night. There's nothing I can do. You ground me. All right, you're going to go to sleep at some point, right? I'm probably going out. The repercussions have to match the crime. And if you are accused of cheating to the point where it's helping you win a championship like Spygate and Deflategate, the NFL needed to come down harder then. Then. Because now, when it happens a third time, maybe it didn't. But I think it did. But if it happens a third time, is it the Patriots' fault for continuing to do it? Yes. But is it also the league's fault for saying, ah, it's not that big of a deal? Of course it is. The league never did anything about this. You think Bill Belichick, who's got Tom Brady, gives a rat's ass if he's got a draft pick in the first round? Tom Brady was a sixth-round pick, by the way. You think he cares? No, of course he doesn't care. Whatever that first-round pick could provide him, I'm sure it can't provide him as much as stealing the signals from the other team's defense. And I'm sure that whatever first-round draft pick you get the next year can't provide you the same kind of impact at playing with a Nerf football can. Nobody fumbled for four years for the New England Patriots because they were sucking the air out of the ball. That matters a hell of a lot more than a fine. You don't think Bill Belichick has money? You don't think Robert Kraft has money? I know Kraft was pissed off about the whole thing, but you don't think that they can afford to pay? It's like saying 10 Hail Marys. Oh, yep, I'm sorry, Father. I smacked him across the face with my ding-dong. Uh, my bad. Oh, okay, say 10 Hail Marys. I just did the same thing this morning. You think that that matters? <laughs> you think that you think that, that means anything? Oh, I'm going to get forgiven by talking to a priest? All you got to do is say 10 Hail Marys? That's what's going on with the New England Patriots here. The league is complicit in this whole thing. Maybe not on purpose, but by not laying down the law. And the reason they didn't lay down the law is because Roger Goodell is scared of his butt buddy, Robert Kraft. He's terrified. He doesn't want to piss off an owner because if you piss off one owner, you start pissing off all the owners. And the owners, they're the boss of Roger Goodell. So maybe he doesn't know that he's sitting idly by as this is all going down, but he is sitting idly by while this is all going down. The Patriots deserve to be slapped for this, right? They deserve to be punished. It's their problem. They can't color within the lines. 
They're bad guys. The morals aren't there. But the league for not laying down the law is just as complicit in my opinion. Bang! That's a radio take for you right there. It's basic economics. The punishment has got to cost you more than the reward. Yes! And that's how it should be always. But this it's the NFL over and over again, man. They get away with enough in a punishment to get through the news cycle. And once it's gone and forgotten about and nobody's tweeting about it, all is good and all is forgotten. And then right now it's just a random guy in Pittsburgh ranting about the flight game. You know? Uh, the crowd, man. Yeah, I mean, well, yeah, a huge AM radio star. star but you Thank get you. my point is that, like, now it's just kind of lore and people throw it around and it's no real PR harm and that's how they operate they just do enough to get it out of the way no you're right it does make sense for them because I even tweeted this out today yes while the NFL is complicit do people think of the Patriots as cheaters of course they do but in 40 years when you walk around the Pro Football Hall of Fame, you're going to see pictures of Brady, and you're going to see pictures of Belichick, and you're going to see Adam Vinatieri. We can all see it in our minds right now, I guarantee you, with his arms in the air as they win the Super Bowl against the uh, the St. Louis Rams. That's what matters. And I want your thoughts on this, too. Uh, tweet me at underscore Adam Crowley. Vote on the Twitter poll because I put it out there. Would you be cool with your favorite team cheating if it got them a championship? Now, 25% of the people on Twitter poll are saying, yes, they'd be cool with it. I think it's way more people than that that feel that way. And it's because if there's not going to be championships taken away or there's not going to be a legitimate penance, then of course you want to do it. And that's the whole point of the New England Patriots is, what happened? Where's the asterisk? There isn't one. Nope, there isn't. I'd argue that the NFL actually in some weird sort of way benefits from, say, a situation like uh, the Patriots oh. being cheaters. Because here's the thing. Think of, like, all of the fringe fans, soccer moms, guy who doesn't pay attention much to football but watches a big game with friends. All of a sudden, all these people have low-hanging fruit of a take. And they could just, oh, the cheaters. Ah, the cheaters. So it almost brings more people into the fray in the conversation than it would otherwise. There's also the bad guy element of it, yeah. which is so legit. You need that guy, right? Oh, you absolutely you need, the need black that guy. Hat. At the beginning of the Warriors run, they were likable because it was Splash City. And, oh, my God, this is unbelievable. They're hitting threes all over the damn place. All of a sudden, they become hateable. Mm -hmm. And the NBA, many people think, oh, that wasn't great for the NBA. The NBA ratings had never been better at that point. They're suffering this year, but they'd never been better at that point because you had a bad guy. Now, where are they? Hmm, interesting. Yep. And the moment they fall, then everybody's like, yeah, the great one is falling. Yeah. Here's how, you, how many people every time the Patriots lose tweet, oh, suck it, Boston. You suck, New England Patriots. Oh, you lost. <laughs> it's because you've got a villain. The New York Yankees are valuable to baseball. The Montreal Canadiens, who are here tonight, if people care enough about hockey, <laughs> they are that for hockey, you need that. Sorry, Tom. Here's how you deter cheating in the future, too. Because you're saying these punishments, oh, you take a draft pick away. That's not going to stop anybody from cheating. Because like you said, everybody remembers that they won the championship game. And yeah, we'll, we'll spend a first-round draft pick to win a championship. Who wouldn't? If you get caught cheating, every member from that Super Bowl team should have to go into Goodell's office and on national TV 
Goodell should cut off their finger that has the Super Bowl ring on it. <laughs> that will deter people from cheating in the future. Trust me, not many people are going to cut off willingly their own finger in order to win a championship. That'll deter. Tom, you're right about that, uh, and I agree with that part of what you just said. Perfect. For player safety. Yeah, I think you could simply just not... <laughs> I think you could simply just take away their Super Bowl rings. That would no. seem to be a pretty good punishment. Well, though. again, I see what Tom's saying, Crowman, is that it, this... Yeah, take it off. What's that going to hurt? Exactly. You take your finger off every time they look down, there's no finger. Exactly. And in the you quarter... pick the finger that you put the ring on? And then That's think exactly what it's exactly what it is. And think of the court of public opinion in their minds. What's freshest? Them winning that Super Bowl and remembering them up on the podium? No, it's them seeing Tom Brady have to chop off his finger on live TV. Well, and the great thing about this is Tom Brady. He's only got four fingers to work with now. Oh, Tom yes. Brady's got six fingers cut off. Bill Belichick can't even ha- uh, hold up his damn play sheet. <laughs> he's got two his pinkies. Cheesecake factory menu because he got he got four fingers there. Poor Giselle. You know what? You might be right. Whoa. Whoa. No, she gets to keep the fingers. Yeah, seriously. She's actually sewn them all together to create one super finger. Like the Gene Simmons tongue of fingers. I don't don't like the visual I'm getting right now. The super finger. I'm kind of digging it. It's now time for dropping loads of audio. One long finger shaped like Gene Simmons' tongue. Brought to you by Foxbet. Make the call. Download the app today. Gambling problem. Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Dropping loads of audio. Here is Booger McFarland almost <laughs> committing a mortal sin on national television. Let's watch the right guard, Brandon Brooks. He's got a nice new con- contract. Highest paid guard in football. I don't even think we should play it again. <laughs> oh, that's really close. Oh, my God. He could have gotten a bad roll there. It could have been hanging yeah, I, on the iron. I need to hear it again oh, on the side. Okay. Let's watch the right guard, Brandon Brooks. He's got a nice new con- contract. Highest oh. paid guard in football. Crunch. You said crunch, right? Uh, like there's that. an R in there. <laughs> okay. I think CR was the first syllable. You can hear the exact moment when Booger McFarlane knows that he almost lost his job. Let's play one more time, Tom. Oh, boy. Let's watch the right guard, Brandon Brooks. He's got a nice new contract. Right there. He knows it's over. Oh, my God. I almost lost my job. So close. Now, there are a number of different reasons why Booger McFarlane should probably lose his job. But he almost took care of that conversation in one fell swoop. Like, they don't need a reason to fire him. He almost gave him that reason. No, that was if almost divine intervention. If you're the network from now on, there's no way you let him near any game that Kareem Hunt is in. <laughs> <laughs> Nowhere near. You don't want him to have to talk about the wild card hunt either. Oh, I, don't, I don't want you to talk about it either, to be honest. I don't think I want to say that either. Yeah, yeah. you're right. Hold on. Let, let me hear about it one more time. Let's watch the right guard, Brandon Brooks. He's got a nice new contract. Oh, no. It's bad enough he can't get Brooks out. Yeah, right. Is it that far-fetched to think that he was dared to say that word and that that's why he took that where he took it? No, I uh, don't know. I doubt that. I'm not giving him that. I, yeah, I no. I think Booger's just real bad at his job. Yeah, come on, seriously. <laughs> don't don't extend him that much credit, Crowley. Yeah, because I've been dared to say a couple of things on the radio, Peacock. I've never done it once though. It's the Crowley Show. 
from the Terrace on 5th, right across the street from PPG Paints Arena. It is Star Wars night tonight. Penguins and the Montreal Canadiens. Tom is back in our Fox Bet studios. Make the call. Download the app today. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Randy Feekner is doing a good job. I know you hate me for saying it. I'll get into more detail next. You think he should get a new crunch hack? DSB in Pittsburgh. Let's watch the right guard, Brandon Brooks. He's got a nice new contract. Searching for the best deal on a new car? Bid my way. Had they beat the Chargers, the Raiders, and the Broncos? Hey, I'm talking about. Can you win the home to the bench? Please get me on the ball. Oh, no! We lost the game! We played the game and we lost! That's totally on us! The Adam Crowley Show. We were voiced by the Ufatard! Oh, my God! I was anti that game, I want to be clear. On ESPN Pittsburgh. So shirtless Tom in the last segment, while we were talking about the New England Patriots being cheaters for the third time now being caught, said that if you really want to stop the Patriots from cheating, don't take a draft pick away, don't find them, make them all walk into the office of Roger Goodell. Right. And you lop off a finger that's got the Super Bowl ring on. Yes. That's on right national- there national television. Yes. You lop a finger off. And Tanner tweets, Mike Vrabel has your finger conversation beat. He put a quote there from Barstool. Mike Vrabel says he would cut off his pee-pee for a Super Bowl win. And now I'm starting to wonder, guys, the Tennessee Titans have gotten rather hot. Oh, boy. The Tennessee Titans, they put Tannehill in. And I just saw a weird analytical stat today that in terms of per minute with the football, The Titans actually have the best offense in football. It's a weird thing. Even better than the Ravens with Tannehill at quarterback. I'm wondering if Mike Vrabel is sitting there whenever the Titans are are 2-4 and or whatever the hell they were, and he's talking to the devil. (laughs) And he's saying, you know what? Pour me a glass of wine. Hey, devil, if I lop this off, playoffs, Super Bowl, all right, I'm lopping it. Bam! Mike Vrabel's walking around without a pee-pee. So you think somewhere in the facility there, there's a D in a jar? Just sitting in formaldehyde <laughs> just like as a motivational toy? Brian, that is disgusting. No, I think that the penis, the second it's lopped off to go to the devil, it just evaporates. Kind of like Obi-Wan Kenobi in A New Hope. It's kind of contrary to football thought, too, because you never want to cut off the D to get a good O. Wow, because defense wins championships. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my God, the D wins championships. Yes, it does. And now he doesn't have one. No D What there the hell's going on, Mike Vrabel? The D's been huge this year. Not anymore. He cut the D off. No more huge D. That's stiff, rigid D. <laughs> but it was huge in the grand <laughs> Got this from Joshua Hillard. <laughs> Philip Rivers would give a finger for a ring. That's kind of where we are right now with Mike Vrabel, who's willing to lop off his own schlong to win a championship. I think there's definitely a handful of players that would give a finger to win a ring. I think Ovechkin, prior to him winning the Cup a couple of years ago, probably would have lopped off a finger to win a championship. I think Peyton Manning would have lopped off a finger to win a championship. I think Dan Marino, if it was his left hand... Oh, he'd lop off his whole arm. Oh, he went to pit. He's dumb. He probably didn't know a finger from his arm. He lopped the whole thing off. Yeah. I think that there's a bunch of guys out there who would do that. 
and uh, I think Jason Garrett, to save his job, would cut off a digit, right? Yeah, I think Jerry might have punished him by cutting one off already. <laughs> He's got a prosthetic on. <laughs> yeah. like well, bad get bad game. He basically is a Jerry Jones prosthetic, right? He's a puppet. Yeah, that's all he is. <laughs> He's an extension of Jerry. Yeah. He's an extension of Jerry Jones that says what Jerry Jones would say and calls the plays that Jerry Jones would call. Getting back to the Steelers, though, uh, we'll take more of your contributions. Who would cut off a part of their body to win a championship? All four major sports on the table. By the way, I hope every Steeler says, any part you want me to cut off, I will, for a championship. You know, you know what, Brian, that's, that's what you that want up. in your team. You know what? Duck Hodges would cut a finger off for a he'd championship. Cut, yeah, he would cut more than a finger off. I don't think he'd stop there. A.B. would not cut off a finger for a championship. He'd cut off a finger to break Jerry Rice's records, though. <laughs> Although cutting off a finger might prove to be the inverse of what you want to do as a wide receiver. I think if he cuts off a finger, it'd probably be by accident. <laughs> just chopping this up some onions. catch the ball. Uh, <laughs> he's cooking for his kids Yeah, he's now. cooking there. A little, little stir fry. Oh, oopsie. Oh, you want a hibachi onion volcano? Oh, no. Randy Feetner, by the way, is doing a good job, guys. Oh, no, he is. Cut off a finger? He doesn't have to. Oh. He's got a duck. He's got a great defense. <laughs> He didn't need to cut off a finger to win a championship. Okay, he probably would. But if he did, I'd be happy. Fans think Randy Feetner is not good at his job. It's almost like fans don't know what they're watching, so you blame the offensive coordinator. It's like blaming the goalie in hockey. That happens all the time around here. Forget the offensive zone turnover. Forget the fact that the defenseman, uh, he was terrible. No, it's always the goalie's fault. Goalie, goalie, goalie. First we ran Flurry at it down, and then we apologized afterwards, saying, oh, my God, we love you. Now it's Matt Murray sucks. After that, it's going to be Tristan Jarrett. It's always the goalie's fault. The goalie sucks. Well, last season, the Steelers were the number one red zone team in the National Football League. Under Todd Haley, the Steelers were really bad in that area. Randy Feekner was the difference. Did he forget how to coach from one year to another? Hardly. No way, man. Randy is coaching with one hand tied behind his back. I wrote this before the whole finger cutoff thing. <laughs> he doesn't have A.B. He doesn't have Ben. He doesn't have James Conner. He doesn't have Juju Smith-Schuster. He's calling plays for a quarterback who went undrafted out of Samford. He's devising game plans around Kareth White and Deion Kane. Devlin Hodges should be graded on a curve. So should Randy Feetner. If the Steelers have a late lead and their defense is on the field, then Randy Feetner did his job. If the Steelers win the turnover battle, then Randy Feetner did his job. So far, so good. Steelers fans need to get off his back. It just hit me there in the middle of that diatribe. Kareth White was on a practice squad. Dion Kane was on a practice squad. Devlin Hodges played at Samford and was cut. <laughs> Guys, I haven't looked at any of their hands recently. Uh, you should probably pay attention to that. That's a new thing we got to do on the Crowley Show. You missing any fingers? Have you sold your soul to the devil? And if a number of different players are doing it on different teams... Well, <laughs> you take that info, you go Fox Bet make the call. You look for those fingers and you lay money down on whoever's got missing digits. Well, I'm wondering how quick <laughs> the payoff is. Because let's say that Devlin Hodges doesn't have a finger, right? So it's going to buy him a championship. I would have to say that the coach of the Tennessee Titans cutting off super perceived the cutting off of a finger. How far are you willing to go? Hmm. 
You yeah. cut off a ding dong. I think that's as far as you can go, honestly. I, I think that, like, yeah. in rock, scissors, paper of cutting things off to win championships, that, like, trumps all. It's the rock. Yeah. I, well, not the rock. It trumps yeah. all. Like, mm-hmm. the rock and lose. Rock and lose, oh, yeah. Rock and yeah. Lose. They can all yeah, lose. It beats everything. Yeah. Like, you just slap time. that on the table you want. Slap it on the table, then whenever he walks away from the table, it's not there anymore. Yeah. Yeah, that is going to win. Mm-hmm. We have a show we've done today. Proud of it, though. We're going to hear from Brian Batko at 520. But next, the Steelers are proving me wrong. You, sound, you seem surprised. Impossible. It could never wrong. happen. Oh, my God. No. Not How did that happen? Not never. surprised. Just disappointed. <laughs> the Steelers are proving me wrong with a long-held belief that I've had. Oh, uh-huh. so you're dug in on this. Jeez. I had been. You've been entrenched. You've been I'm awoken. I'm entrenched now. <laughs> okay. But I would give my finger up to make sure that I'm right. <laughs> you it's would. It's the Crowley <laughs> Show live at the Terrace on 5th, right across the street from PBG Paints Arena, ESP in Pittsburgh. Coach Dan Broad and the Duquesne Dukes men's basketball continue the regular season and travel to Akron to take on Radford Saturday.